Hi, this is Khaldun speaking, with a quick note before this episode starts. In this interview with Rada, I talked to her about her project policy and the event Bringing Youth Voices into the 21st Century. This event took already place in July. We had our interview prior to that event, and due to changes in our schedule, we present to you this episode now. You can find further information on the event and outcomes in the show notes. And now, enjoy this episode of the GDL Coffee Break Podcast. Global Diplomacy Lab. Coffee Break. With Khaldun Asadi. Welcome to the GDL Coffee Break Podcast, where we introduce you to the work and ideas of inspiring experts within the Global Diplomacy Lab Network. This episode will be packed with insights into the work routines, perspectives on global challenges and sources of inspiration from our wonderful guest. Enjoy your coffee or whatever hot or cold beverage you prefer along the way. And please consider the show notes as they provide further information on the topics raised. With me today is Rada Zeribi. Amongst many things, she is the founder of the Pan-African NGO, I Build Africa, that is invested in peace building and supporting STEAM education for youth. STEAM is science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics. And she is passionate about leveraging cutting-edge technology to achieve global sustainable development and enabling historically marginalized communities to overcome obstacles with innovation. And according to her LinkedIn profile, she is a cheesecake enthusiast. Currently, she works on the project Polisai um, for the Global Diplomacy Lab, uh, which is about leveraging technology to foster mentorship between diplomats and youth. Hi, Rada. Hello, Khaldun. Thank you so much for um, inviting me to the podcast. Um, I think the the main idea that came um, behind the, the project of policy is to provide that link between policy or diplomacy and youth to just normalize the whole conversation around being present at the table yourself as a youth, as youth from generation Z or Y, or any generation really, to voice your concerns, to contribute to the whole process of change making in your own community, but also to give a new and a fresh perspective to understand things. And this is why we started this whole thing. Um, my day to day pretty much starts with a huge cup of coffee <laughs> to get things rolling. I talk a lot with people. So I love to just sit down over, of course, virtual coffee chats to understand how can we make things better? What are the emerging needs and trends that we can just learn from or contribute to, to help people, to support people, to empower people and to inform ourselves so that we can serve them better. I love to just keep an eye on a lot of aspects around the world. I read a lot of news starting the day to know how are things happening when it comes to education, when it comes to policy. There's always something new to, to know about. Um, and good thing about our target audience is, is that it's pretty wide and it's youth. So you have to be on social media. You have to know what are they doing right now. And I keep saying they because I'm feeling that I'm getting away from that generation being a millennial. But we share so much, um, which 
kind of helped me to um, understand how to approach this with my other teammates um, mm-hmm. that are spread across the world. I was just wondering, within this project policy, you are in contact with the Generation Z and Y working with them. Is there a difference in cooperating with them and collaborating with them than with the older generations? I look, it's I think it's easy to say that it's sunshine and butterflies and everyone just go along. But all generations have something in common and something that is very different. And I think our role as the organizers of this project is to step back from all prejudice of all assumptions and be, like they say in French, understanding what are the expectations uh, from both parties, because we are dealing with different expertise, different level of education, of experience, of background, uh, even geographically. So it is different and we communicate different. It can be promptly with Generation Z, but it will take an email and just sitting back and doing things more formally when it comes to other generations. So that's a lot about reflection and empathy as well to understand that not everyone was raised or not everyone had the same experience professionally. Um, this is why we can't put it in one bucket when dealing with these generations. And what do you think are challenges, global challenges that the youth sees right now and wants to tackle? What do you think, what are these relevant global challenges that they are focusing on? It's a it's a very loaded question because um, these generations or us as youth, we have gone through a lot through a pandemic, through uh, revolutions, through a hunger, through poverty, through unemployment. And it depends. It's not a one answer that can just put out there. And I say youth are struggling with this. I'd rather say that youth are surviving a lot of economic and social dear environments that are pushing them to the margins to not being present to say this is what we see the solution is and that pretty much drags a state of despair and um, it pushes youth to losing hope from what they can do where this life or this present is taking them and that's exactly what we wanted to do pretty much to bring both parties together to understand the hopes and aspirations of youth, especially in the global South, uh, because there's a lot of equity to be worked on when it comes to the global South. I know that disparity is over the whole world and we're keeping the target audience to very broad and very inclusive, but there's also a need that we cannot ignore. Um, We also aim to uh, facilitate the interaction and engagement of youth with diplomats, especially those who didn't have the opportunity or the access to information on how to create impact before. Um, This way, we're just going towards that general vision of empowering both diplomats and youth to transform international affairs to address diversity, equity, inclusion, and also employment. And this is why we called it bringing new voices into the 21st century. So what I hear from what you're saying is that youth itself is challenged through what has happened within the last two years, 10 years, the consequences of 
certain policies, especially in the global south. Mm-hmm. What do you aim at when you bring together young people and diplomats beyond empowerment? What do you wish for? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. I think it goes beyond getting the knowledge and absorbing all of that information in that very short time to actually get them to start practicing, to know how to write a policy, who to work with to get this going and do change making. Of course, this will take a lot of research and knowing their local realities. Uh, we cannot just provide that solution for them to say, okay, take our western understanding of policy and go apply it to your own reality but rather bringing diplomats from their own communities and from their own regions to understand okay we made sure to balance between not only um, theory but also practice and also we are trying to create a network of diplomats who are getting closer to youth and understanding more and also youth who gain more trust in themselves and in diplomacy as well. Because unfortunately, we're living in a world that is increasingly taking trust out of politics. What do you wish for the state of the youth in the global south to be like in the near future? A lot. Um, I think we're marching forward to keep making space for future generations. And I love that multiplying effect that myself and other youth and other GDL members, for example, that we're doing in our communities. But I do believe in this proverb, African proverb. It says, cross the river in a crowd and the crocodile won't eat you. I want to keep that crowd growing. I want to see see more people joining these conversations and fighting the state of hopelessness. Um, we all go through these conditions and we all have a lot of different difficulties we're going through day-to-day basis. But I'm dreaming of a tomorrow where there's a big crowd and there is no need for me to come to any platform and say we're struggling. Maybe we're not going to be struggling anymore anymore. We are going to be living in a world where everyone is complimenting the other person uh, to providing the need when it comes to knowledge, expertise, resources. I think this is my my la-la land that I'm contributing to every day. That sounds very inspirational. And uh, with that, let me ask you, what inspires you? Well, I think what inspires me is my younger self. Um, as a Tunisian woman growing up, there was a need to find a role model who tells me what am I capable of or how can I build the country? Or there was a lot of things that I wish I could know, but because the society was programmed to just follow and not question, especially before the revolution, there was a need for me that I couldn't find until I actually grew up. And I started traveling and representing other youth and volunteering. That's how the enlightenment happened. And I knew what my needs are. So every time I just step back and I say that I'm just too tired, I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. I think about myself and I think about that need that probably millions of girls and women across the world are surviving on a daily basis. And I just keep going. But meanwhile, I always remind myself that I should also think about 
mental health, about providing that balance because we cannot pour from an empty cup. So filling my cup with inspirational conversations, with, um, with I don't know, GDL talks, um, exchanges that happen on, on the web or face-to-face within the community, that's what fuels me to, to keep going. Can you give us an example of an inspirational incident in your youth where you maybe felt this urge to empower yourself? One of the stories that I can just recall now was high school me. Um, I am the eldest out of three daughters and our societies usually urge parents to bring boys because they're more reliable. They will, you can just uh, rely on them and you can trust them. They can manage everything. And growing up, I always heard family members encouraging my parents to get a boy, although I was the eldest. So I was always encouraging myself internally to keep going with the minimal costs to show that I'm capable to do so much equally or even better than boys. And I did that and I got scholarships to study um, mechanical engineering. And it was a challenge because it was very hard uh, without tutoring. Um, That kind of opened my eyes on what I'm capable of. But when it came to graduating high school, the call for for reality was to just know uh, that a lot of people were going to tell me that this boys field uh, that I cannot do certain things. And it, it got to me in a certain way. I did start thinking that me being 18 years old, what can I do? How can I change all of this? And it took an exchange program for me to believe more about myself, to find the skills, uh, to talk to the people who see the potential in myself, to actually go back on track and be the role model for my younger sister, who is now in the Tunisian athletic team. Uh, she's doing great. And she keeps going back to me and tells me that I'm, I'm doing this for you because you told me this. And I, she grew up knowing or seeing the steps that I've taken and the sacrifices that I've done to reach the person that I am today. But it's all about the childhood. It's all about the teenage that builds the personality and where you see the most challenges across your everything, your whole life. I think it's a very important aspect of authenticity when people that are having an impact on, let's say, the youth in empowering them, when they live through a process of empowerment themselves. And it is so great to hear that you became inspired by yourself, by the challenges that you went through, that you became an inspiration for your sister and I think also for your family in general. And that now the projects that you are that you have done and that you're doing right now, that you're becoming an inspiration for many, many other people, especially young people. And I'm so happy, Rada, that we had this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Khaldun. Um, One last thing I just want people to remember is that while we have the most increasing challenges around the world, thankfully, we're not starting from scratch. There are a lot of initiatives and efforts done out there. There are a lot of people who want to share 
I, for example, would love to mentor or just give back in a way or the other. So for everyone listening, if I can help with anything, if you see in my profile something that can help you or someone you know, please feel free reaching out. And thank you, Haldun, for having this platform to voice our expertise and our opinion about what's happening around the world. Thank you, Rana, and thank you for adding that. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the GDL Coffee Break Podcast. Executive producers are Nele Finsel and Lea Schindler. Audio production by Thomas Reintjes. Visual design by Juli August. Music, Brett, produced by La Crembo. This is your host, Khaldun Asadi, and I hope you tune in next time.